Welcome to another episode of Lifelong Learner. This is the Out of Class Edition with Ben, Janesh, and Matt. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lifelong Learner. Morning, Ben. How are you doing? Janesh, good morning. Yes. Uh, mate, this is, um, this is a little extra episode because we, we sort of missed one, and so we're, we're doing a bit of a makeup. It's a back-to-back from us last week, although you may not notice that if you're following us because uh, of the release dates. But, um, mate, it's, it's, it's good to do one back-to-back, but, of course, we are missing someone at the moment. I know. He's slack. He's slack. So apparently he's coming on, but I'm not holding my breath at the moment. So We should send him calendar invites. We should. These. We should. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe. Well, Actually, we do. I think we do. Um, Maybe yeah. on this one, I'm going to put the, the picture as a calendar invite with Matt that he's uh, accepted it uh, yeah. as, the, um, as the release, uh, release photo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, good, mate. What's going on in your world? What's been happening? Mate, this week, um, last week was a week of, mate, when we talked, when we, last week we talked, at the end of the episode, we talked about intentionally choosing time. Um, and it was, there was a lot of that in my world. Uh, intentionally choosing family time, intentionally choosing time with Keisha, uh, intentionally choosing time to go, like, so I'm in a, a downstairs room and getting that flooring done and go, oh, as of, as of putting it off and I'm like, you know what, let's just get it done. Uh, got Will in um, for, for hired hands. Um, so Ryan's son to, to help do some of the heavy lifting as well. And, um, yeah, so it's been... Um, it's been a, a full week, but not a crazy busy week, if that makes sense. How so has that felt, being intentional with your time and putting your focus with things that, are, that at the end of the day are probably the most important things? Mm, mate, it felt, felt really good. Because when you, you make that intentional choice, it's like you question, does the other things matter and are they the most important? Um, and what happens if you miss them? What happens if you pay less time to it? Um, and for, uh, it depends for everyone, but for me, it didn't really matter, right? Things didn't fall off, if things didn't break, and it it's a kind of solidifies that they're not the most important thing. Mm. So, uh, no, it felt good. felt good, and it's actually given, uh, like, space, Funny enough, more space. Mm. Mm, yeah, more space, and it's less uh, less busy work, right? I kind of I say that to um, coaching clients about um, do less busy work and do meaningful work, or do um, outcome based work. And when you change your intentionality with your timing, I'm finding that it's less busy work. Right, less um, like hamster wheel, less hamster wheel work. So, mm. which has been good. It's been yeah, it's been good. Um, yeah, been good. Mm. Right, how about you? How's your week? Like it's, it's interesting because there was a, a really good author wrote a book called um, Life CEO: How to Take Charge and Do Your Life's Work, oh, Not really? Your Busy Work. Oh, I think I've read that one. I think I've yeah, read that one. Um, you just think it's by... Who is it by? It's by me. Ah, there you go. Uh, it's by me, Ben Cavosso, Life CEO, How to Take Charge, Do Your Busy Work, Not... Uh, sorry, Do Your Life's Work, <laughs> Not Your Busy Work. 
uh, available at all good bookstores and Amazon online. It's a great uh, read. So it's a great read. Uh, mate, what's been well? As you know, I think I mentioned last week we were picking up a puppy. So I picked up a puppy last mate. Friday. He is asleep right now on the floor. Mate, after a very busy morning. How how is that going? So the listeners, um, and we're gonna wait. We'll we'll post a photo of him with the with this episode, not the last episode. Uh, and if you didn't listen to the last episode, highly recommend you listen to the last episode. Uh, ben was full of gusto, promise, certainty. Um, mm. In my eyes, probably a little naive. Um, but, mate, I want to see how has week one been? Um, it has been all-consuming. And we're not at week one yet, mate. We are like four days in. <laughs> so... It has been all-consuming. Um, I am. I was. I was chatting about this yesterday, uh, Monday, to my wife. Hey, Maddie. Good to see you, mate. Morning, lads. I'm intrigued. Carry on. I will pick up what's happening. You've got a bit of days of our lives filter on there, and that's either on purpose or because you've got a greasy fingerprint on your camera lens. Might be. Yeah, it could be greasy. I'd say yeah. greasy. Um. A bit of bit of lotion you've got on Just the camera. Bring lens. out the cleaning crew. Hang on. Yeah, we get on that. Oh, look at you. Um, hey, uh, on Monday, like my days are sacred. My mornings are like I should say, my mornings are sacred. I can remember grade four. So what is that? I was probably ten. Um, my dad would wake up early and bring in a cup of tea. And he'd say, "Ben, come on, wake up, mate. It's it's morning. I'm sleeping in." wake up mm-hmm. and I'd sit up in bed with a cup of tea and I'd listen to a bit of music at 10 years of age and read a book. And that continued from the, the from age of 10 through till I left home to go to uni at like 18. So my mornings have just become this really sacred thing. Well, since we picked up Bromley. Uh, the, oh, my, so the, what's the name? Bromley. 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 Brom, Brom Bromley. Okay. Um, and since we picked up Bromley, uh, my mornings are a complete shamozzle, like absolute complete shamozzle. <laughs> uh, you know, he wakes up at 5.30, which is fine. It's my wake-up time. But he's full on because he slept all night, well, most of the night. And, uh, you know, just he's in full energy, just crazy mode. There is no peace and quiet. Um, so, mate, it's it's been a little tricky. So I was talking to my wife on Monday and I said, I got to have my mornings. You know, I'm happy to do <laughs> later in the day. I'm happy to do like, I'm happy to be up during the night, put him out if he needs to go to the loo. Happy to do the easy stuff. I got to have my mornings. But you're going to have your mornings with him, mate. No, but it's, it's, no that's not my mornings. That's, <laughs> that's Brom's mornings. No, but he wants to have some Brom, um, um, some Brom and Ben time in the morning, mate. He's bonding with you. Yeah, he can bond, he can bond after nine o'clock. <laughs> um, so, so, and it was kind of a little bit of, I was in a bit of a crisis. I was a bit tired from being up throughout the night, putting him up and my morning had been a shamozzle and I was pretty close, I reckon, to being in tears, to be honest, when I was talking to my wife at about 8am. Um, and uh, So when you told her that we're, we're going to have to change this, it was more of, please, please, 
Let's change this. I need my mornings back. Yeah, there was maybe a bit of please in it, but there was more a tone of I'm feeling give the dog back. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably the tonality behind what I said. Got it. And uh, totally unspoken, but that was there was an energy there around that. And so uh, that afternoon, people actually took me seriously. And um, they we have rearranged. Uh, so Tuesday, yesterday morning, uh, I rang my daughter Eden at 5.30 and said, yep, remember you're up. Come and get uh, Bromley and let me have my mornings. Hold on, don't you live in the same house? We do, but she's upstairs asleep. Uh, yeah. um, so uh, I stayed in bed because Brom was still asleep. And rang her quietly from the bed, going, "Come and get Bromley." Uh, I was getting up anyway, but I, I, I didn't want to wake Bromley and then have to face the crazy dog just woken. Uh, <laughs> surely, but- surely you just scoop up that that thing and open the door and uh, shut the door, and I'm going to have my morning. Yeah, well, that's what it was. That what I did. I said, "Eden, come on down, get him out of the cage," and you know, I want you to experience the first 30 seconds as he wakes and is completely full of joy. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, mate, so that was yesterday. And then this morning, of course, I had my walk and talk uh, with Ryan. And so... You didn't want to do it with... Um, with do you do it with Brom? Well, there's no walk. See, Brom, he, he, does, he doesn't want to walk. What the do you moment mean, there's mate? any tension on the lead, mm-hmm. Brom instantly stops. Mate, but what about all the YouTube videos? Listeners, remember last episode. It's all the well, YouTube videos, mate, the study, all the background work. Yeah, well, I actually hadn't watched a YouTube on, I just assumed your dogs walk on a lead. <laughs> and so, to be honest, uh, funnily enough, this morning I was on YouTube Googling, why won't my dog walk? <laughs> <laughs> why won't my puppy walk on the lead? And uh, pretty much the answer is because he just doesn't want to. And uh, (laughs) it's something that you need to train into him to walk on the lead. Um, So anyway, so this morning it was a carry Brom uh, and talk. Okay. Did you do some bicep curls, mate? Sorry, Maddie. Did you do some bicep curls with Brom while you were walking? Just get a bit of an upper body burn. Well, only for about 50 to 100 metres. And then we've got puppy curls. We walked to the cafe and and had coffee. Um, So uh, that's funny because my dog, um, Wild Dog, never been on the lead. It must be the same as Bromley. I put put her on the lead for the first time. She looked up at me and refused to walk. And then, then I got a couple of steps out of her and I thought, oh, we're getting traction here. And then I let go of the lead which was foolish, and then she didn't know the lead was a lead. She thought it was a snake trying to attack her, so she shot up down the road running away from the lead. Oh, well, this is not going well. Maybe she'll never be a lead dog. How can we – is there a way around this? Or do I have to start at the very beginning? YouTube, I think, mate. YouTube. (laughs) YouTube. Mate, so if you had to summarise, mate, week – not even week one, four days – of dog ownership. No, it's about five days. Coming was, into he mentioned day. before he was two and a half days in before he got that feeling. Mate. You know that feeling. So yeah. how how is it all? I like your schedule. I like the, the listeners. Ben sent me his uh, his morning or his rough day ish schedule uh, before Rob and now the current one. 
And mm. um, like, that's uh, is it? I'm assuming it's more than what you thought. Yes, mate, it is a little bit more than what I thought, and I, I might I might read it out to our listeners because uh, I think there's a bit of bit of fun in it. Um, so I, I did a Facebook post for listeners, and uh, um, it says April 2023 routine. 5 a.m., get up and make a cup of tea. 5.45, read something interesting. 6 o'clock, meditation. 6.15, drive to the beach. 6.30, go for a 30-minute run. 7 o'clock, coffee at Virgo. 7.30, drive home, shower, and get into the day. Doesn't that just sound like there's no better way to start your day than that? (laughs) Since the 6th of May, 2023, 5.30 a.m., get dog, Brom, up and take it for a wee. 5.35, 5.35, get Brom breakfast. 5.45, play tug with Brom. 5.55, take Brom out to do a poo. 6 o'clock, carry Brom inside and wipe the poo gag off his bum. 6.05, make myself a tea. 6.10, drink 50% of the tea. The rest not, got knocked out of my hand by, you guessed it, Brom. 6.15, play with Brom while saying no a lot. No, don't eat the computer cables. No, don't eat electrical cables. No, don't eat my meditation cushion. No, don't chew past chair. No, don't eat timber flooring. No, don't eat my Ugg boot. No, don't chew my magazine. No, don't chew the carpet. Seven o'clock, take Brom outside for another wee. Seven ten, play with Brom more. Starting to get tired signs, both me and the dog. Seven twenty nine, Brom asleep and me wondering which way is up. Seven thirty. Wondering if it's too early for a glass of Foxy's Hangout. <laughs> P.S. You're wondering where Mummy is. Well, she's fast asleep, dreaming slash scheming of things to do as a family. Uh, uh, but she's not the morning person, right? So she's not a morning person. So, so that's um, as we speak, she's still in bed sleeping. Glorious. Glorious. She's got it dialed in. She wants another puppy. So this is easy. <laughs> we can do two. <laughs> Takes care uh-huh. of itself till 8 a.m. And that's usually when I wake. And... Oh, wow. <laughs> so the contrast of mornings. And uh, for those listeners that have got a newborn baby, maybe this is, you know, kind of ringing true or a puppy as well. But uh, they tell me it only lasts for the first six months. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, because I don't have that much experience. I was, I was a kid when we had a puppy. How long does that last for and how long until you can integrate Brom into your morning routine? And I guess there's a chance he can't. What if he doesn't want to go have that coffee? What if he doesn't want to walk along the beach? Maybe he wants to walk through the woods. That's stressful. What if they don't align? What if they never align? Are you going to have to change your morning routine? No. Maybe okay. there's some compromise, Ben. What? When, do you, when in life do you compromise? Yeah, it's interesting because flexibility is important. I tell you. Um, how often I, I would, you know, you've, head changed a lot of things that you've been doing for a long time. And there was something that happened. It was probably two or two years ago. Now I was getting a haircut and I was at the hairdressers and I've always parked my hair on the left side, right? Mm-hmm. Always on the left side, forever on the left side. But there's always this kind of weird cowlick that happens, right? Mm-hmm. Every time. And I go to the hairdresser, mate, can you just like cut it? It's always kind of flicks up weird there. Yeah, a bit of hair product. Anyway, a couple of years ago, I was at the hairdresser and he's, he's you know, doing his thing and he starts to put the part on the other side. I go, mate, oh, no, it's on the on the left. He goes, mate, you, your part really is more on that 
on the right side. Like that's naturally where your part is. Well, you, you're going to have to use a lot of product to force it to be on the other side. Really? Oh. He goes, yeah, like just like this is where your part is. You, I go, mate, for 52 years, <laughs> I've been it on the wrong side. <laughs> and so now my hair's parted on the right-hand side where the party's. Mate, uh, that's an amazing ability to let go. I would have thought you were going to tell me, nah, yeah. couldn't do it. Oh, I, well, there, I was told him. there was a bit of tension there. And then I said, all right, mate, I'm Mr. Flexible. <laughs> I parting on the other side. Mate, I would say your kids would beg to differ that you are Mr. Flexible. Um, if, there's times I'm flexible. Mate, there's if time. we called any of them right now live and said, hey, is your dad Mr. Flexible? Well, don't Descri- call Bo. What do you Descri- Describe your dad in three words. I'm not sure flexible will be one of them. Uh, the most flexible. Yeah. So, Logan, he has called me on it a few times, and I just say to him, mate, I'm 50, 55. <laughs> I know what I like. I just spend my whole life working out what I like. It's not what I want. I like my coffee extra hot. I don't want it lukewarm. <laughs> I, just, I don't want it lukewarm. I want it extra hot. If I say the word extra hot, mate, just give me it, make it sure it's extra hot. Well, yeah. There is nothing worse than when you get like a drive through extra hot oat latte. You get it, you put it in your car, it feels hot, you drive away, you get two minutes down the road and you go to take the first sip and it's That's lukewarm. Cool. Mm. And what do you do then? You reconsider your whole life because you're like, fuck, I just spent $6 on a lukewarm latte. It's going to sit in my car now and I'm still going to be thirsty and not have my coffee and I've still got an hour trip. You're probably planning your spot that's set of traffic lights where you're going to open the door and just just pour it down the gap. Is that littering? You're probably wondering to yourself. Surely not. That's a good question. If you have a liquid that you haven't finished consuming in your car, <coughs> just tip it out on the ground. Is that littering? Well, <clears throat> you'll find out if there's a Karen behind you because you'll you'll get a letter in the mail. <laughs> littering. But if $5 it's, million. Dollars. If it is something that's, like, consumable, like, so um, it's obviously non, non-toxic, why would it be littering? Uh, totally get if you're... Dumping well, out oil at your door while you're driving or paint. But what is the difference if you tripped and you fell and you dropped your coffee? This is a very good question and spills into something that I was wondering myself to yesterday. A banana, an apple core, you know, these things that for generations, thousands of years even, have just been discarded naturally in the local vicinity, a bush, a tree, I mean, surely that's totally legit. You're actually benefiting the earth by throwing a banana over the front windshield into the gutter that runs along next to the highway. Surely that's not illegal, but it feels wrong every time you do it. Does anyone else? Do you guys throw the banana, the apple core? Just me? No? Round upon. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you can- I eat it all. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 never throw anything out my window. No, I've done the uh, the apple core. Banana peels a bit much, mate. Banana peel doesn't seem like it would disintegrate. I feel like oh, they love it. A banana's only going to last about a week outside before yeah. it 
And I know it breaks down quicker than an apple breaks down. Yeah. Okay. That's I was great. Like the, the critters will get to the apple. Little possum will kind of have a little 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 snack in the afternoon. But That's uh, why I launch it over the road into you know a nice grass. I don't leave it on the road. That's murder. Mate, I just Mate, feel like saying, Janesh, you're saying that animals in the wild would normally peel a banana, only eat the inside and not eat the skin. No, no. I'm just saying uh, in Victoria. Bananas don't just naturally grow, so I'm not necessarily going to throw it out there and go... Oh, oh. because they're not natural, native. They shouldn't right. be discarded in the native mm, environment. Right. I agree. I don't discard them. Wait, I feel I, like I'm when you... I'm not sure, but I don't think apple trees are native to us. No, 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 no. Anyway, anyway. But they're, they're more around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> I know. There's a, yeah, it is. A, you get a funny feeling, but then there's another half of you that goes... Like it's going to break down. It's going to feed the plants. The little mm. bugs are going to get it. Everyone. This is the dilemma, right? The conditioning, the domestication of me as a human knows that ah, I shouldn't do that. But then the logical, rational part of my brain goes, "Hang on a second. Mm. This thought, is actually all right." I thought you were going to say the the Mario of Mario Kart part of your brain goes, "I'm going to throw it out the window and go." Next car's going to skid on it. That's what I get a feeling of. You're playing Mario Kart and you're channeling, I'm just going to throw a banana peel out the window. Driving to work would be a lot more fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, while, while you guys are happy with chatting, I'm just going to just Google what is um, is it. I bet you I'm going to put money on it. In Victoria, $5,000 fine for throwing a banana out the window. It's got to be something like that. But what if it lands? What if it doesn't land on soil? It just lands on concrete or the footpath. Yeah, that's frowned upon. That's that. I think that's littering. I think if it lands in soil. We've had Dan Andrews as our premier uh, in Victoria. The fines for littering will depend on what the item is. Cool. If you drop a piece of fruit or any small item, you will be issued a fine of three hundred and sixty-three dollars. <laughs> no way. You're However, that up. any hot, including cups of coffee. Maybe not, that's not what I says. Uh, or burning <laughs> litter, like a cigarette butt, will see the fine double to $727. Where wow. do they get these amounts from? $720. It's littering and it is a, an offence. Wow. Okay. okay. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> why I'll never do it again. Okay. So mm. bananas go in the bin, mm. and then from the bin they get planted in the ground when they do those mass let's hide all the rubbish because we actually don't recycle or do proper yeah. waste management. We just bury that shit in the middle of Australia. So you can't throw it in a garden bed, but you can put it in the bin where it'll end up eventually with all the plastic underground. Just like the apples. Put them in the Outside. bin with the plastic that they were all wrapped in in mm. the bin as well. It, it's interesting that we've developed a society that likes to wrap things that already have natural wrappings. We like to cover that shit in plastic first. Mm. That's good for the environment. Okay. Thanks, Daniel Andrews. So now we know, everyone knows, listeners all know, mm. put your stuff in the bin, and particularly anything that's on fire, because if it's on fire, it doubles, uh, put it out before you put it in the bin. Mm. I'm sure it triples if you put something flaming on fire in a bin, but yeah, mm. fired, fired things, flaming things, flaming things, double. Yeah. Someone should tell the people that drop their cigarette, cigarette butts on the ground that 
Maybe that's why they drop it on the ground and they quickly stub it with their foot so that it's not oh, burning anymore. So they go. only get a three hundred and sixty dollars yeah. half price, <laughs> extra little, fifty percent off. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't stamp it out, it's, it's going to be. It's not going to be fifty percent like, off. It's like our electricity bills. Do the right thing, fifty percent off. Pay on time. Mm. Put that shit out. Oh, these are the big things. These are the big things, listeners. Yeah, I'd be interested to our listeners just to comment. Um, all three of you in the comments below, just, you know, what are your thoughts on throwing fruit out into the paddock? So I'm not just saying, mm. you know, walking along the nature strip, mm-hmm. uh, not in the nature strip, uh, walking along the footpath and just kind of just tossing it on the ground on the bitumen or the, on the concrete, but I'm talking about like throwing it out into the bush. Yeah. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I'd be interested to see what people say. Mm. Me uh, too. Yes. Hopefully we've been controversial and we get some negative Feedback, you're good. So you two love that, don't you? You yeah. love a bit of negative feedback. Hashtag oh. no, no such thing as bad publicity. That warms you guys up. You're ready. Just start yeah. the conversation. Like a little bit of conflict. Yeah. Mm. Got to stand for something. You can be everything to everyone, but it means you're nothing to nobody. Everything to everyone, but nothing to nobody. You try to be everything to everybody. Mm. You end up being nothing to nobody. Okay, yeah. In Just context, that makes sense. Land, grey. And you, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. You can try and you can try and be everything. Be everything. You know, the the guy that's kind of right in the middle. You're neither left mm. wing or right wing. You're just in the middle, and you know, uh, and that's what we're seeing. You know, currently in Australian politics, we've got our what was traditionally our right wing Liberal Party has just become so just middle of the road that they're now nothing to nobody uh, and they're struggling to get votes. They're struggling to get traction because they're not really standing for anything. And traditionally what they would be more is way more right-wing, anti-woke, uh, anti-moderation, and now they're just, they're at zero. Yeah. They're trying to, uh, they're trying to please, by trying to please everyone, they're pleasing no one. Yes. Right, so mm. it's like uh, you got people on either side who who do stand for things. Go, well, nah, you're not on my side because you're kind of half are, but you're not. Your actions don't really follow. Um, do you think? I think I've seen more and more of that probably in the last five years, or well, I should say more of that in a way that people um, aren't sharing what they stand for as openly mm-hmm. uh, because they want to be potential people pleasers um, or they're concerned on who they potentially may not please, not necessarily uh, who they may get offside. Um, when it didn't really matter and there's a ways in the previously, I feel like you could do that and you wouldn't, you can do it respectfully. So you're not necessarily offending them, but you go, Hey, look, this is where I stand. And you can still have a, amicable conversation you can still be um you could still even be friends right but people mm. were not uh were not afraid to share um kind of where they stand now it's like a they may stand for something but publicly they don't mm. why is that you reckon what do you reckon Matty? the slow systematic PC culture, 
people are really concerned about saying the wrong thing, which sucks really because yeah, like authenticity is harder to find yet again because people are scared to say the wrong thing, but how do you, yeah, like that's part of learning, isn't it? Like I'm one of those people who kind of, I shoot from the hip a lot of the time. I learn from my mistakes. I offend the wrong person. I say the wrong thing to someone and then they educate me in a conversation. And if they got valid points, then that changes the way I think about something, you know, it might change me by 5%. I leave that conversation maybe slightly more um, compassionate or, or I'm more like, no, this is, this feels right. I miss those kind of, um, interactions. I think that's why I like this podcast so much because we don't agree on everything. You know, sometimes, um, we do disagree, but we can still chat it out and yeah, it did feel, I think you're right though on the timeline. I don't know why, but it feels like the last five years, it feels like there's been some censorship on a big scale and it's also happening, you know, on the macro and it's also happening on the micro. And I think it's tied to dramatically tied to COVID some of that stuff, people scared to talk about that and that's spilling into other things. Do you think that lines up, Ben, with that timeline or was it happening before and maybe we're just I'm more conscious of it now based on that last few years? It seems to, well, it's certainly, I mean, it's on the oldie, right, and been around a long time and it was it just didn't exist when I was 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the last 20 years, it certainly started to appear and I'd say in the last 10 and definitely in the last five, I was listening to Elon Musk and he talks about something called I'm going to say it's the, it's, this is not it, but it's something like woke infected um, and that, you know, and that's one of the reasons that he says uh, that he bought Twitter is that Twitter was becoming um, censored mm-hmm. and that, you know, the the number one, I think, amendment is the you know right to free speech in America. And he said that was disappearing. And mm-hmm. so he wanted to bring back free speech. And he's all for say what whatever you want you know and be ready for the consequences if it's not popular but you should have the freedom to say what you want mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. that is certainly disappeared because and i think in answer to your question janesh i think there is just such a huge backlash that the the minority can be so loud and so harsh and so brutal interestingly uh that the woke are so brutal that you just you just can't step out of line. Mm. You just you just can't step out of line. So, and I think that I think people are self censoring um, and not speaking their truth. It, it it's really interesting that um, that minority seems like the volumes turned up, but go back two and a half years and there was a minority where it was turned down, and so there's something going on where some minorities are magnified for some reason, don't know why, and others are kind of repressed, you know, censored. So it's it's really interesting because, you know, I've been part of a minority that thought differently around COVID and that was a really small message and it was quietened down a lot and you felt like no one's listening and, you know, you go to a, a rally and there's 500,000 people there and it's reported as a couple thousand and I'm wondering it just felt very strange in a time where we're like, let's listen to minorities, but we're not listening to a minority. But then this, this consistently over the last five years, this minority is everyone 
listen to this minority. And I found that really curious, why some things are censored, why some things are amplified, some things are just pushed off to the side. I never really considered that prior to the last few years. Um, but that minority seems to be one that is represented, um, supported by the mainstream, which is curious because mm. I would have thought that would be something that wouldn't be acknowledged by the mainstream because they're too busy with other priorities. Mm. Mm, that's good, mate. What do you think, Janet? Mm. Yeah, I think they're coming back to where what people stand for. I think we, as a society, are worried about too worried about what we say, so then in the end we don't say anything at all, right? Mm. It's like, uh, yeah, okay, either agree or go with the majority or they're, oh, yep, I'll take that into consideration and they don't actually pick a side because it's like that um, analysis paralysis, like, all right, there's so many stakeholders now that five years ago those stakeholders they were still there, but they weren't stakeholders. Their, their, their opinions or their things didn't really matter as much anymore. But now it's like, oh, I need to, I need to take into account this person's view and that person's view. And then the person walking down the street, that person's view, because they hear me talking in my own backyard, uh, I'm not sure what they're going to think about me. And it's like, whoa, and they end up saying nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think people, oh, yeah, I don't know. I think they need to be encouraged to make their own just to have their own opinion, um, I think. But I think, again, be okay and aware that there may be backlash, but it's okay to have your own opinion, right, and say what you want to say. And there's a, that's where great ideas come from, right? That's where things, um, yeah, greater things happen. It's not – great things don't happen if we all agree, right? It's uh, great things don't happen and uh, – yeah, if we don't challenge norms and go, hey, look, is there a better way? Is there something else happening? Um, so, yeah, but people... And if we don't challenge abnorms, mm. we don't challenge the new, this new great idea. Well, let's just challenge. Is it a new great idea? I think that's that's super important. But I think what you said is really gold there, Janesh, is that, you know, it's in, in the friction between two objects is where we do get the spark. You know, mm-hmm. the lights of fire that can be really powerful and really useful. And of course, sometimes when there is friction, we get a spark and a lights of fire that is is damaging. Um, yeah, okay. I th- I agree. I think just using that analogy, sometimes you get smoothing too. Mm, you know, when two things come together and they rub against each other, you get the best of both worlds and you end up with something much cleaner and, and a better um, thing because of that friction with something else. They've called out a rough point, an edge that could have done some damage otherwise if it hadn't have been addressed with some friction. I think that's a really good analogy. It works both ways. Mm. Great ideas come from that friction. Yeah. But there's a lack of friction though at the moment as a whole, not just in like towards minorities or whatever, but I think just as a whole, just in a, um, like just even interesting, like so... I'm the person, if someone cuts a line, I will say, hey, excuse me, there's a line, right? But a lot of people don't, a lot of people just go, just, just they'll mumble something on their breath and they just won't say anything. And maybe this person's unaware or whatever or just doesn't want, I don't think so that's conflict. It might be friction, but like this person's like, oh, okay, great, I'll, I'll line up. But like it's just, that's just not, that's not normal 
anymore. I think um, Ben Ben and I and a few others were away for a couple of weekends ago and we were saying that things that we think is normal, like maybe we're the outliers, right? We're maybe because all these other things are like, oh, this should be normal. It should be normal to be able to have that friction or go, hey, not if someone got your order wrong, hey, sorry, that's not exactly what I ordered. It's okay to say that. But be like, oh, no, no, I can't, I can't. And it's, yeah, the more I think about it since that conversation on that weekend, Ben, I was like, oh, maybe we are the outliers because the more you look around, everyone doesn't, no one else does it. Mm. Mm. I, tell, yeah. I, I tell you what, I'm holding a topic in my mind that I've been thinking about the last few days, which is going to generate a lot of friction. Go for and it. I've, and I've been wondering where's the safe place to talk about it um, and I've been talking a little bit to my partner about it. And this is actually the first time that I've wanted to contact my local MP. I don't even know the process. I'm embarrassed to admit, right? I don't even know what they're called, but I took the effort to work out how do I contact my local MP? How do I bring this up? How do I have a conversation? And I was clunky and awkward and I ended up speaking to this lady called Ant, who was very helpful. She must be, I don't know, some kind of secretary who does managing of directing calls and stuff. But I listened to a guy called John Campbell online and John Campbell's like a 65 year old retired doctor, very, very intellectual. And he's like old school. So he can report on stuff completely impartial, how it's meant to be. You know how you remember a referee used to be in sport. You wouldn't have a referee who wants that team to win. It, it just seems like we've lost these impartial people who can communicate facts without getting emotionally involved. And, and he got, basically canned for a week. And the moment someone gets now, someone gets censored and disappears for a week, I become more interested in whatever they were talking about the week before they got censored, right? And so I've been watching this guy for a long time, for the last two and a half years, and I've missed the last month or something, but he got taken offline. So I'm like, I want to know what he got taken offline for. And he got censored for having a meeting with an MP who was talking about adverse reactions to vaccines and talking about um, excess deaths. And I thought, that's really curious. So I just looked it up and, and looked into it. And it's super interesting. And this is a conversation I want to have with people. But the moment you say vaccine or excess death, the everyone just, oh, there's, there's, you can see them just get nervous and uncomfortable and no one wants to talk about it. But for two years, we had politicians jumping online or, you know, on um, press conferences and reporting numbers every day, every single day, 200 people died or, you know, we were 16 people are in hospital, all these numbers and excess deaths. These numbers are huge in every single country all across the world at the moment. Like for the, it's insane. Like 10, 20, 30, 40% higher for like, a couple of months and then back down to 10, back down to 20. If you look at the last year, the graph is like 10 to 20% consistently above norms. No one's talking about it. Not a single person. No one wants to talk about it. And, and the correlates dates match up. So 2022. And if you look at the statistics on, um, from the government website, the statistics for, um, 
annual deaths has always been consistent. So 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, they just report the numbers. But 2020, the numbers for 2020 and 2022 have been taken out of the spreadsheet and put somewhere else. And it's just all a real mess. So I would encourage for anyone who is up for a controversial topic, um, do a little bit of research into excess deaths and have that conversation with some people because that has got to be one of the most important conversations that needs to be had. There's hundreds, thousands of people dying of no one knows what and no one's talking about it. Mm. It's, it's insane. Yeah, mate, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, whether that is truth or not truth, you should be allowed to talk about it mm. without being censored. And, you know, this has gone on for years. You know, you look at um, totalitarian states where, you know, if you speak out against the government, you know, like places like China and, you know, some Middle Eastern countries, et cetera, uh, and places like Australia, if you speak out against the narrative, you will be shut down. And in Australia, we don't make people disappear, uh, I think. But in many other countries, you know, people disappear if you speak, mm-hmm. yeah? And uh, so it's been around a really long time that governments want to control the nav- narrative because it keeps them in control. Mm-hmm. It's been around for such a long time, um, the idea of controlling the narrative that keeps the the status quo, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So what do you think, Janesh? Yeah, I would say in terms of wrapping up, I would, yeah, I definitely agree that I think we're seeing more of, uh, more in uh, Western society and Western countries that uh, that control of that narrative coming out, uh, especially in the last few years. Uh, however, now I feel like there's a little bit more like eye-opening. There's more data now and people that were on one side or indifferent, we're like, hold on, what is this now? Um, because it's it's after it's after the fact, um, which is interesting. So, but in terms of takeaways from today, I would say, oh, I think be okay with where you stand, um, and start to share it more. Start to share it more, obviously. Uh, where you feel comfortable, um, like your circle, your inner circle, and um, yeah, I think it'd be be okay with it. It's like that being that feeling of being okay in your own skin, and I think it's it's important. Uh, otherwise, you lose. There's a potential of losing yourself and who you are uh, if if you don't. So yeah, that would be mm. my takeaway. Maddie, mm. mm. yeah, I I think. Um... I think I kind of second that. I think that we live in a world that is trying to turn you into a number, turn you into a, you are this, you know, think of school. We all learn the same subjects. We all get graded the same. You, you basically train from a young age to be good at the same things. And in reality, that's not how life works because once you leave school, you're meant to be unique at something. But if you spent your whole life learning how to be the same at everything, how do you do that? So um, I would say exactly as Janesh said, practice being an individual, 
be okay with it. Um, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. You can work on your weaknesses, but also spend time on your strengths. And if you've got opinions that are um, not shared by others, then I think that's a positive thing. I think sh share it, um, share who you are and be willing and open to make adjustments. Like if, if, five of your friends have got valid points that might change the way you perceive something. You might not change it completely. You might still stand for the same thing, but with slightly a slight tweak. Um, and I think that's how we get better. But you, as Ben said, as you said earlier on, if you stand for, you know, you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. So easy to just lose yourself. If you're too dynamic, you know, you change your opinion, your mind, your everything too quickly. So don't be afraid to, to stand for something. Um, yeah. And it, definitely in friendship groups, in close groups of people you respect, that's the place to share, N not maybe share with just random people because everyone has an opinion, but share with people that you really value, create communities of, you know, we've got this community we can share. We've got Ryan and a couple of the other lads as well, where it's a really great place to share because I value your opinion. I see the quality of your lives that you're living um you know many steps ahead in some areas and so i really value um what you guys think i think that's important don't don't put yourself in the wrong environment asking for feedback because you're going to get it <laughs> mm. it reminds me of, of a kind of a bit of a saying about open-minded skepticism open-minded enough to kind of listen and skeptical enough to try it on and I think, imagine if everyone did that, we had all had open-minded skepticism. That we're open-minded enough to listen, like truly listen and be and be curious. And then skeptical enough to kind of just try it on. Now, you might try it on and go, hey, it's not a fit, but, but at least try it on. And that's left and the right, you know, everybody kind of open-minded skepticism. I think that would be really, really useful. The challenge is we have uh, everyone's take stuff personally. So I wonder how we could do that better. You know, again, seek, as Stephen Covey says in Seven Habits, you know, first seek to understand, then seek to be understood. That if we actually went around trying to understand and not take things personally. Uh, and the challenge is, of course, once you have a narrative that's different to someone else's, often people take that personally. So uh, my take home is, I think, really a summary of everything that you've that we've been saying stand for something but also be open-minded enough to kind of take in someone else's perspective as well so it's good boys really good great chat today guys just uh just going to leave you guys on a quote on uh there we go. it's funny because i uh, sarah loves hamilton right so we've been like she went and saw the show and there's like songs all the time and i was like oh it was a, it's this lyric in in one of their songs, right? And it's in their um, Aaron Burser song. And it's uh, a line by Hamilton saying, if you stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for? Mm. Mm. Stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Right, and he questions uh, the other character and he goes, well, if you stand for nothing, you're trying to be a politician and you're trying to stand for nothing, well, what, what are you going to fall for? What are you going to die for? Right. Um, yeah, which is fascinating. Mm. It's a good one, mate. Good yeah. way to finish. Yeah. All right. As always, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Great conversation. Great. Thanks, lads. All right. Till next guys. time. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of Lifelong Learner. If you like this episode and want to know more and hear other episodes, head over to lifelonglearnerpodcast.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter where you'll be the first to know when new podcast episodes come out. And if you want to say hello, tell us a joke or ask us a question, send us an email at hello at lifelonglearnerpodcast.com. Thanks again.